may be seated. Okay, well, hey, it's the second week of a good minister, and yeah, we're going to get into that in just a second. Uh, just before that, I want to talk to you about our Serve Week, our Love Works Week, and we are so excited about what God's going to do uh, here and in our community throughout this week. What I'll do is I'm going to tell you first a summary of all the projects that we have lined up, and then I'll go back through each individual project and uh, pass out some slips to those who would like to help, okay? So every day of the week between now and next Sunday, we have projects. And I'm uh, thankful for our staff who've worked really hard to get these projects lined up. This week of the year, the church tries to line up projects for everybody to do. And then we ask life groups to do that throughout the rest of the year. On Monday, it's going to be Pay It Forward Day. And so we ask you to take one of our Love Works cards and maybe a full punch card at your coffee shop or uh, pay for somebody's lunch as you go out and, and just give this card when you do it. And what I usually do is I take my full Dutch Bros punch card and one of these, and when I order, I ask them, give this to the car three people behind me, okay? And they usually can figure that out pretty well. And so that's on Monday. It's Pay It Forward Day. On Tuesday, uh, we have two different teams that get to go and help at the rescue mission. We need a team of four to six people at the Lighthouse Rescue Mission to serve dinner and to get to know people. And the ones who have done this before, it was their favorite thing of the whole week. Uh, that evening, we also need four to six people to go to the Valley Women's uh, Children's Center uh, to serve, and that's part of the rescue mission as well. And so let's see, that's Tuesday. Wednesday, we've got two things going on as well. Uh, we're going to have our school kids taking donuts uh, out to public servants everywhere in the city, uh, police, fire, city hall, the building department, the coroner's office, they're going everywhere. And so we need your help to get donuts here. So 12 dozen donuts for the teens to deliver, and we need those before 9 o'clock in the morning. Also on Wednesday at 10 a.m., we need two to four people to go to the Canyon Clinic Wellness Recovery Center uh, that's in the old Sears building downtown and to sort some goods for them and then uh, take some things uh, to the youth ranch and some various places to help them. Yeah, they're a nonprofit, and we got to meet with them the other day. Thursday, we need 6 to 12 people to volunteer at Love, Inc. in the morning from 9 to noon. Yeah, they're going to be sorting uh, gifts and, and donations that have come in They'll be cleaning those things and uh, helping move some things. It's pretty light work as far as physical uh, for the people who go to Love, Inc. on Thursday. Friday, we have a special project. Uh, we're going to try to give some little gift bags out to all of the nurses and doctors at West Valley Medical Center. And so uh, we need people to help. We need uh, five people to help before Friday. So you've got to bring this in by Wednesday. Uh, so we need 50 mini water bottles, we need 50 granola bars, we need 50 individually packed snack crackers, uh, 50 individually packed fruit snacks, and 50 packs of gum or mints. And so if you bring those in, 
then we need uh, three people to sort those things uh, on Thursday. And uh, we need, uh, I think, is it four? Four people to deliver all of those and set it up at West Valley in their break room on Friday, okay? Saturday is a serve day here at the church for everybody who can come from 10 a.m. to noon. And uh, we need you to bring shovels, rakes, gloves. We're going to try to plant grass out on our bare areas. We also need to wash walls, do some spring cleaning to get ready for public servants day. Men can come, ladies can come, children can come. We'll have something for you to do. 10 a.m. to noon is serve day. Yeah, so I know I just said a lot, but I was summarizing. Now we're going to go back through, and we're actually going to make this happen, okay? So I hope God has laid these things on your heart, because we are going to ask you to actually raise your hand and volunteer. I need 10 people who would be willing to volunteer to do a pay it forward. Now, everybody can do one, but we need 10 official people, right? So we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I think we're at 10 right over there. Hey, if you want to, there's also going to be Love, uh, Love Works cards on the back. If you want to do pay it forward or give them at any time during the week, if you help a neighbor uh, to rake up or shovel, uh, some of their yard work or whatever, we'll help you with that. So these guys are coming through. Just keep your hand up until they see you. We've got one up in the sound booth, Pastor Cole. All right, Tuesday. We've got, uh, on Tuesday, the two different projects. I'll get these laid out. Okay, we need four to six people to serve at the Lighthouse Rescue Mission. This is from 645 to 745. 645 to 745, the address is on there, okay? That is PM, okay? Two right here, right here, and who else? We have one more of that, Betty, back here, okay? Very good. If anybody else wants in on that one, Scott's still got two papers. We need four to six people also to serve dinner at the Valley Women and Children's Shelter. They eat an hour earlier so this is 5.45 to 6.45, okay? So right over here, Lori, and who else? Need at least three more on this. Tina, right over here. Need two more on this one for the women's shelter right here. Janice and Judy, right back there. All right, very good. If anybody wants to help on these, we're going to leave the extra papers out at Connection Point, and you can help with that. All right, Wednesday, we've got two things. Uh, we need two to four people for the Canyon Clinic Wellness Recovery Center. We gave you contact info and address and uh, what you need to do, organize and sort donations, take the remaining donations and drop them at a charity like Love Inc. or I don't use your answer, okay? Two to four on that. This is at 10 a.m. Who would like to help with that? Canyon, we just we need at least two to make this happen. Okay, Kathy, and we need one other person on that one. Get it out in the community. One person who would partner up with Kathy, the nicest lady in town. All right, anybody else? He just wants to skip school. Somebody want to be a taker on that one? Okay, thank you, Judy. All right, also Wednesday, uh, we have two vans of standout kids uh, from each class in our school who will go out and serve our public servants. They need 12 dozen donuts. So 
Let's just take care of the donuts. Uh, just when you raise your hand, tell me if you're going to make one dozen or how many, and they'll give you that many papers. Okay? Shoe dozen right here. Everybody likes to bring donuts. Look at this. All right? Okay. Yeah, we'll just do it till the papers run out. This must be the easy one, right? To bring donuts. Must be the easy one. Yeah, we're going to bring them uh, right into the church office and stack them on the desk in there. Before 9 in the morning on Wednesday. Okay, Thursday. We need a team of 6 to 12 people. This is a morning from 9 a.m. to noon to volunteer at Love, Inc. They're going to organize and sort donations and clean and repair. Here's one, two, three. Need at least six to make this happen. Four back in the back. Who am I missing here? Did I miss somebody? Got four. Somebody else on this one? Five. One more. Anybody else? One more? Nine to noon? Right there. Okay. Nine to noon. All right. Now, this one is going to get pretty specific because we need you to bring this stuff in by 3 o'clock on Wednesday so that they can make these packages up. So anybody can do this. So you donut people who raised your hand and didn't get to do donuts, these are perfect for you. Uh, 50 packs of gum or mints. She's just taking everything. You guys need to move back further. You could bring them, but if you bring them even by Wednesday night, it's going to be fine. 50 packages of fruit snacks. They like fruit snacks. Look at them. They're jumping at that one. 50 packages of snack crackers. Snack crackers. Hey, let's do this. Make, you guys give these. Make sure you give them to somebody who hasn't got to do anything yet. If you see a pink slip already, then they can't do it. All right. 50 granola bars. Right here. 50 He wants it right here. Uh, 50 mini water bottles. Okay. Her husband's got one. She's got one, too. All right. Now, on Thursday morning at 10 o'clock, we need three people to come and uh, make these bags happen, make them into reality. So we'll have the bags for you. You just have to stuff them, and then you'll stuff them with a, a LoveWorks card and make all that happen. Who would do that? Three people. All right. There's two of them right there. 10 a.m. on Thursday. Anybody else? 10 a.m. on Thursday. It's only going to take like 30 minutes. Oh, all right, Cole's got it. All right, and then we need four people on Friday at 10 in the morning to deliver these to West Valley Medical Center. Four. These are my last four slips right here. Come on now. All right, got two there, got two there, right there. All right, if you want to team up on that project, see uh, Betty and Judy. Who else we got? Oh, back here. Jeanette, Bill. Okay, perfect. We got those out. All right, and then Saturday, we don't have any slips for you. Just show up with your shovels and rakes. And if you like to wear gloves and rags to wash walls, we're just going to spring clean and do some outside work to get ready for Public Servants Day. Uh, next Sunday is Public Servants Day. Many of you are helping with the food. 
for the banquet afterward. We've invited all sorts of public servants to come, and we're looking forward to a great week. Now, uh, as you go out this week and do this, Pastor Cole, bring one of each color. Uh, I have a Love Works shirt on, and we've, we've got Love Works shirts. We've got Serve Church shirts. You don't have to wear this to do the project, okay? I don't want you to ever think that. But if you'd like to, then we want to make those available to you. So we have a table out back with some of these shirts. We have them in red. Is that teal? Is that teal? Aqua. I don't know what teal is. And purple, okay? So we got three colors. We have a variety of sizes. And we're going to sell them today only for $5 each. If you want to wear them next Sunday to church... That would be just fine, okay? If you want to wear a serve shirt shirt, serve church shirt, or a love work shirt. So, yeah. so get those on your way out as well. Okay, let's head into the scripture this morning. Yeah, and I know we've got a lot going on. But we definitely want to see what God has for us this morning in our series, A Good Minister. We started last week with the approach to ministry. God has given us all general things that he wants us to do, uh, like get in his word, have a life of prayer, be givers, be faithful to church, share faith with others. But God's also given us specific individualized things to do. God has given you a spiritual DNA just like you have a physical DNA. And your approach to ministry is unique. It's based on your spiritual gifts, your passions and interests, your abilities and talents, your personality, your experiences, all of it factors in. And now that we know we have an approach to ministry today, we're going to go to more of a general message on the actions and examples of the minister. We are all called to be ministers. Every child of God is called to be a minister. And one of our core values here at Centennial is every member a minister. Every member a minister. If you'd like to know more about this church and our vision and values, uh, I invite you to sign up online for Class 101. You can sign up at the kiosk in the lobby or on the church website. And the next 101 class starts on March 4th, and those classes are at 9.30 on Sunday mornings. Our text today is in 1 Timothy 4, and I want to read a portion uh, 1 Timothy 4, it's such a powerful passage, and I hope that you will study this passage on your own throughout the week as well. 1 Timothy chapter 4, and I'm going to start in verse number 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, 
Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Now we're going we're gonna to cover this whole passage that we've just read, hopefully this morning, kind of in an expository fashion. But here's the theme of where this text is going to take us today. The things that are profitable to the minister in turn become profitable to all those under his or her influence. Let's say it another way. When the minister grows in Christ, there is a potential for others to grow in Christ. Now, when a leader is not living out his faith, that leader becomes a ceiling for the faith of others. Instead of growing others' faith, he or she limits others in faith. Yeah, and so uh, we don't want to limit God's work in other people. Now you say, well, could God break through that ceiling? Yeah, God can break through any ceiling he wants. <laughs> right? But, but we find this to be true in so many areas that the ceiling of leadership influence stops people from moving forward. And it happens in many areas of life. And so we're going to look back now, starting in verse number 7 and 8, and we're going to address our first subject of the day, exercising spirituality. Exercising spirituality. Look at it again. It says at the end of verse 7, exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. And so he says, you need to exercise unto godliness. Bodily exercise profiteth little. So, you know, bodily exercise does do some good. It does a little bit of good. It can be slightly helpful. Now, how many of you disagree with that statement? Right? Okay. Um, you say bodily exercise is no good. It's just not a good thing at all. How many of you, the definition for bodily exercise for you is to get up out of your chair to go get another bowl of ice cream? Right? <laughs> Bodily exercise, probably not exactly the healthy lifestyle. But you know, godliness is profitable uh, to all things. And practically speaking, this is, this is really true of all of us, practically speaking, most of us take less time to prepare our hearts for ministry every day than we do to prepare our bodies for everyday life. Yeah, we really do. And I'm not talking even about physical exercise here. That would be on top of this. I'm just talking about the time it takes to have basic personal hygiene. The average Christian spends more time on basic personal hygiene than they do with God. But that's just a fact. Now, I'm not advocating that you skip showers so that you can pray more, okay? <laughs> I'm not saying that you should just toss out your toothbrush so you can read more of the Bible. By all means, keep your toothbrush, and you could even toss in some mouthwash, right? Now, look, if you want to do the treadmill and a few sit-ups, good for you. If you go to the gym, that's great for you. And I, I'm not here uh, saying don't do bodily exercise. What I'm saying is God tells us that bodily exercise profits a little. It's, it's worth some value. But spiritual exercise, that exercise to godliness is good for everything. Because, because it affects this life 
and the next life. And so you add all that together, and it becomes just huge. It becomes massive. Spiritual exercise profits us in every way. That's God's principle. It affects every facet of our lives. It affects every role that we have as responsibilities. Uh, spiritual exercises uh, have often been called spiritual disciplines or spiritual habits. And if you want to read about spiritual disciplines, let me give you an author. Uh, he's since gone to heaven. Dallas Willard was his name. If you get, get any of his books, I'm telling you, that's where you go to read about spiritual disciplines. It's incredible stuff by Dallas Willard. But, you know, the way to grow more like Jesus is by doing what Jesus did. Right? That's exactly how we do it. And uh, what Jesus said we should do is also how we grow. So spiritual disciplines are not attitudes. They're actions. All right? Attitudes are important, uh, but these are actions. Right? The fruit of the Spirit is not a spiritual discipline. Uh, character qualities are not spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are things that you do. They are actions. Some that you do alone, on your own. Some that you do with other people. And so you read the Bible. That's something you do alone. But it might also be something you do with your small group. You pray alone. But you should also pray with other people. In fact, where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of them. It's a promise for us. Uh, you meditate on God, and you worship, and you serve, and you give, you testify. Those are actions. Here's another thing you need to know about spiritual disciplines. They are things that are practices taught or modeled in the Bible. Okay? We don't get to define them for ourselves. God already defined them for us. So we just discovered them. We didn't define them. We didn't invent them, all right? Newton did not invent the law of gravity. He just discovered the law of gravity, all right? Einstein did not invent relativity. He just discovered relativity and gave the theory of relativity. And I lost some of you when I said Einstein. <laughs> like, we're way past that. I already took science like 50 years ago, and I was done with it. You know, uh, these are things, though, that God has already said, hey, you should do this. And so you don't get to say, because uh, some people do this, they say, you know what? Gardening is my spiritual discipline. It does so much for my soul. And it does as much for my soul as the Bible does for yours. Now, now go look, gardening may be a wonderful part of your life, but it's not a substitute for getting in God's word. All right? Some people say, well, I go to the mountain." On sun, or the mountains on Sundays. Uh, the mountains are my church. Well, actually, you don't get to define that. God already told us that the church is the body of believers gathered together in Jesus' name to live out God's purposes. And you hiking on a mountain is not the same thing as what God defined. There's nothing wrong with hiking on a mountain. Okay? Don't, don't take this the wrong way. But you see where we're going with this. God's already defined these. We don't get to define them. Another thing you should know about the God-given spiritual disciplines. They are fully sufficient to help us grow to be more like Jesus. If it's necessary for spiritual growth, it's already been delivered to us by God and his word. Spiritual disciplines come from the gospel and they take us into a deeper understanding of living and giving the gospel. These are not activities that are separate from the gospel. 
Now, the purpose of these exercises or disciplines is godliness. These actions are to make us more like Jesus. And so maybe it's time for you to take up spiritual exercise along with the other parts of your life. Now, let's move ahead to verses 9 through 11. And uh, we, we see this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation. I want you to notice verse 10, though. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God. So we labor and we suffer reproach. Let's talk about expecting suffering. Expecting suffering. When I was in high school football, all 115 pounds of me, actually they listed me at 125 when I was in ninth grade, and I only weighed 105. And uh, the, one of the last games of the season, it was actually, I think it was on Halloween night. <laughs> Go figure. But uh, they put me in a defensive end. And the theory was that nobody could see me, so I could just go in and sack the quarterback. Because I was like this tall and this, this wide. So, uh, but we were way ahead. They put me in a defensive end. And we were playing a horrible team. And he went back for a pass and he fumbled the ball and I ran to go pick it up to live out my glory of running into the end zone and when I went down to pick the ball up uh, one of my linemen hit one of their linemen into my arm and the bones in my arm went like that and so I kind of looked down and my arm was like it wasn't doing the right thing so I had to have surgeries and but anyway so I was in high school football and we used to do a drill called the gauntlet. And it was a horrible drill. Uh, we would spread out in two lines all the way down the field. And a guy on the end would have the football. And he would have to run between those two lines all the way to the other end of the field. And every guy in the lines had a green light to hit him on the way. Every single guy. Now, you had to wait till he got into your 10-yard zone. But you could hit him. And so you might get tackled 10 or 20 times on your way down the field. It was a horrible drill for those people who weighed like 120 pounds less than everybody else. But, but after the first guy went, uh, the next person on the end had to go, and then the next, and then the next. And after seeing what happened to the guy in front of you, you could safely assume that you were going to be demolished just like he had been. Right? Now, if you thought that you were going to run through both lines without getting hit, then you had been hit too many times in the past. <laughs> it wasn't feasible. It wasn't logical. You were a few fries short of a Happy Meal. You were going to get hit, however you want to say it. You know, there are a lot of people who become Christians because they, they truly do want eternal life. But they sometimes come in with this expectation that they'll live in paradise here on earth. That their best life is now. I think there's even a book about that. But if you just follow the logic on this. If Jesus, the perfect and grace-filled Son of God, was reproached for speaking truth, it is perfectly logical that his ministers must be prepared to face criticism and scorn. What I'm saying is, don't buy into the lie that you can reach the world with the gospel and never experience suffering. Jesus, who's the Prince of Peace, 
wasn't treated peacefully. He was tortured and crucified. And the minister, every man and woman who serves for God, can expect to suffer reproach. But you know, the good news is the minister can also expect Jesus to walk with you every step of the way in your trial. You can expect the Spirit of God to enable and empower you through the difficulty. And, and preachers who tell you that if you believe in God, you'll get the best job and the best house and the best spouse, uh, what we sometimes call the prosperity gospel, are sadly too often only in it for themselves. And it's, it's a very sad thing. Here, here's the question. And it, in, in some ways, uh, I think they mean well because, you know, they're taking God's traits and they're applying them, but they're applying them uh, to a fallen earth instead of to eternal life. And we say, is God faithful? We know he always is. He's always faithful and he's always good. But here's the thing. Does God's faithfulness correlate into you living the easy life as his child? Absolutely not. You can expect suffering. It's coming. Right? So if you're a good minister, you can expect that suffering is headed your way. Right? Now, we're not supposed to, on purpose, cause ourselves suffering. Right? That was kind of the theory of some of the monks back in the 15th century is that you are purposely supposed to make yourself suffer, right? You're supposed to walk on your knees on glass to go before the altar of God. Or you're supposed to hurt yourself in some way so that you could come before God. That's, that's bogus. That doesn't work either. But God says, hey, there is going to be suffering. Man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward, it says in Job. And it's absolutely true. Well, I'm going to move ahead to verse number 12 because this is one of the most important verses in all the writings of Paul. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Now, let's break this down just for a second. In word, seems easy to understand. Be an example in how you talk. Uh, Paul told the Ephesians that good communication has to be true communication, and it has to be communication that builds other people up. So it should be full of truth, but should also be full of grace, just like Jesus was. Uh, let's talk about in conversation, because that's a word sometimes that we get confused on. That word means lifestyle. All right, it's our manner of life, it's our conduct, it's our behavior. If you're a minister who says one thing and does another, your example is going to push people away from God instead of drawing people close to God. Then we see in charity, and we've said this before, I think we may have said it last week, without love, ministry equals zero. It's worth nothing. And so we're to be examples of love toward Jesus and toward the people around us. And this can only be done through submission to the Spirit of God. If you remember, the first part of the fruit of the Spirit is love. How do we have love? By being submitted to the Spirit. Speaking of Spirit, that's that next phrase, in Spirit. You notice that word Spirit isn't capitalized. So this isn't talking about the Holy Spirit. It's talking about your commitment to relationship with God. So you could call this your attitude. Toward God and your attitude 
toward spiritual gifts and your attitude toward the Holy Spirit. A minister needs to have the right attitude. Yeah, that can be tough for all of us sometimes, right? How many of you have ever thought to yourself, you know what? I have a crummy attitude right now, and I like it. Right? There are some people, really, they think that they're experiencing the greatest fun in life by having a bad attitude. Now, we usually call them teenagers, but, I mean, there's other people too, I'm sure, right? It's like, I love having a bad attitude, right? And my wife is out of town, and yeah, the other morning, Sophie had not had a good evening go-to-bed time, and it just, it just wasn't working. I don't know what I did. I did, used all the wrong tools and all the wrong tricks, and and so she went to bed, you know, she was upset because uh, the last thing I had told her is, okay, you don't get to use any electronics tomorrow. That's it. I'm done. No electronics tomorrow. You need to hush up, put your head on the pillar, go to sleep. And uh, so she woke up the next morning. I went to get her up. And she's always happy when she wakes up. Always. Not this time. <laughs> she woke up and said, I don't get electronics today. Well, you're darn right you don't, right? And she just kept it up. I don't want that shirt. You picked that shirt. I don't want it. All right, well, how about this shirt? And I, I'm telling you what, it's, it's rough. And I, I experienced what mothers must experience in the mornings that I don't get to have the joy of privilege of doing very often. And then she came upstairs and she yelled at her 17-year-old sister, and Autumn, because she just felt like maybe she should be a part two, yelled right back. And they yelled at each other all the way to school. And they're just insult after insult, back at each other. I'm thinking, they really like this. <laughs> there are people who like being in a bad mood. Isn't that weird? It's like the rest of humanity thinks, you know what? It sure is nice to have a peaceful, joyful mood. But there are actually people who don't like other people. And like 60% of them work at the DMV. <laughs> it's crazy how they all got bundled into that one place. And there's a good chunk of them at Walmart. They even have signs that say, how can I help you? And you ask them for help, and they're like, <laughs> I don't know how it all works, but I know this. God wants us as believers to be examples in spirit. But then it says in faith. We should live like we actually believe God. Now we get insulted all the time by the progressive media and by our culture that says, you Christians, you, you just are intolerant and you're mean-spirited. No, we just believe that God actually means what he says and that we should live it. That's what we believe. And, and they get so upset, like, you shouldn't actually live out what God says. Well, why believe in God then? Why believe in a token deity? That makes no sense to me. Why well, say, you know, you know what? I believe in God on Sunday, but in my place of business, we don't practice that here. Okay. God says you're not much of a Christian then. Because if you're ashamed of him, 
any day of the week, you're not acting like his child. And so real faith is dependent on God, not just the one hour a week when you go to church, but it seeks the Lord in parenting, in marriage, in employment, in human interactions, in all responsibilities. And so often we depend on ourselves and our own strength and our own intellect and our own abilities, and that's not faith. And then in purity, and this isn't just talking about purity in our physical relationships, which should definitely be the case, but it's talking about purity in our motives. The ministers of God are to reflect the traits of Jesus in our lives, and we can observe every one of these traits in the life of Christ. Now, I want to finish up in verses 13 through 16, and uh, we see just this amazing thing begin to happen. He says, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation to doctrine, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them. And look at this phrase. This phrase just jumps off the page. That thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. And let's talk as we finish up today about extending strength. Extending strength. There was a little boy who was born four days before World War II or World War I ended. And uh, he grew up on a rural dairy farm outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. He grew up during the Depression. But like most kids back then, he didn't know how truly poor he really was. And he loved to read books on all sorts of subjects. Whenever he would get his hand on a book, he'd read it. When he was 15 years old, he attended, he attended a, a Brush Arbor revival service. And there was a traveling evangelist named Mordecai Ham. And this young man, under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, gave his life to Jesus at that meeting. He was saved at that service. Uh, he desired to become a, a minister of Jesus. And he was ordained in ministry at 21 and went to Bible school. He met and married the daughter of a missionary to China. He pastored for several years, uh, but he had a vision and a heart to reach more people for Christ. And in 1949, he went to Los Angeles, and they put up a tent and said, you know what, we're just going to invite God to change this city for him. And uh, we're going to do three weeks uh, of every night of a, of a gospel meeting. And as he preached for three weeks, the Holy Spirit began to move and work, and the meeting ended up being eight weeks long every night. And then there was a crusade in London that ended up being 12 weeks. And then in New York at Madison Square Garden, it went on nightly for 16 weeks in a row. And today, most people in civilized countries know the name of Billy Graham. But, but when he was a teen, nobody did. He was the dairy farmer's kid. And yet he grew in Christ and he lived as an example. He didn't neglect his gifting and we could safely say that his profiting has appeared unto all. He preached in his life. He's still alive. He just turned 100. He preached to over 215 million people in 185 countries. You say, well, pastor, I just don't know if I agree with all of his theology. I don't know if I do either, but I haven't even preached to a million people. And until I do that, I probably won't say much about it. Okay? 
Because I know thousands upon thousands of people who came to Christ through the gospel witness that was preached at those meetings. And, and the thing about, I'm not trying to lift him up as this deity or anything, but I say this. He set out to be faithful in growing in Christ, and God multiplied his influence. And we could say that God exponentially multiplied his influence. Now, there were some other guys in history that this happened to. In the first century, uh, there were these guys who were fishermen. They were not trained in theology, and they just yielded their lives to Jesus. And in fact, they followed him around for three years, and they watched as he died on the cross, even though many of them had denied that he knew him and had run away. They saw him resurrected from the grave, and they set out to serve him. Here's what Acts 17 says. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, these are the men who turned the world upside down. These are the men who turned the world upside down. You know, God can do miraculous things through those who live under the influence of his spirit. And that's why today's big truth is this. Personal spiritual growth is the most important component in the minister's ministry. Personal spiritual growth is the most important component in the, spirit, in the minister's ministry. Here's the deal. You can't lead others toward Christ if you aren't leading yourself in Christ. Yes, you need to find your individual approach to ministry like we talked about last Sunday. But you have to prioritize personal spiritual growth. Without Jesus, we are nothing. With him, we can do anything he calls us to do. Next Sunday, we're inviting public servants to be here. And I hope on your way out today that you'll grab some of the brochures that are left and invite all the public servants you know to come to the service. We're going to be in week three of A Good Minister. And the topic is acceptance of authority. You know, use your God-given influence to invite somebody to come. If you're concerned that maybe your actions and example haven't been what they should be to give you influence, then I hope you'll take the faith challenge that we leave you with today. Because this really is, is the whole message coming together in a practical way. Here's the question. How will you follow through in having a regular spiritual exercise routine? What will you set out to do that makes you more like Christ? I talk a lot about the principle of the path. Your direction determines your destination. Your intentions don't determine where you end up in your relationship with Christ. Your direction does. Your habits, your lifestyle, your disciplines. And right now, as you sit there before we close in prayer, I want you to think of one thing that you would like to add to your spiritual exercise routine. Just think of one thing. Maybe you already read the Bible and pray, but you'd like to memorize a verse or some verses. Maybe you'd like to do better at meditating on God's Word. Maybe you need to study God's Word a little more. Maybe it's that you need to resolve that you're going to tell somebody about your faith at least once a week. It's about doing something. Get one thing that the Holy Spirit gives you, one action, and then act on that today and tomorrow and this week. Let me pray with you. God, thank you.
for each one who's here today. We thank you for the fact that we can be your hands and feet this week in the community. And I pray that we would show the love of Jesus in everything we do. Not just so that we can preach it, people, but so we can love them in Jesus' name. So we can be kind to the people in our community and show them that the love of Jesus still works. It is as life-changing as it has ever been. And I pray that you'd help us all to take one thing from this message and begin to apply it to our lives, that our actions and example might influence others toward our Savior. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are and what you've done. We pray your blessings now upon this serve week in a special way. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have questions about serve week, Pastor Cole will be in the lobby. If you have questions about the capital campaign, somebody will be at the kiosk in the back. And if you'd like to buy a LoveWorks t-shirt or grab a Love Inc. packet, somebody will be at that table as well. Love you, everybody. Have a great Sunday.